0: Hey everyone, it's Paulie from Rat Depot here, back in your ears. How are you? I hope you're okay. Or should I say, who are you? Um, Because I'm here to narrate the letter from today. Imagine that, imagine that. I'm recording the narration the day I'm releasing the letter. Fucking crazy, we're living in the future. Um, The latest letter which is called, Who are you? Who are you? Um, So last weekend we hosted the first ever Rat Depot event, which was our presentation of the Japanese... Horror Comedy House from 1977. It was lovely to see some of you there, and we're thrilled to have pulled it off after weeks—truly weeks—of planning. Um, we've already discussed our next event, and we will be putting plans into motion very soon. So watch the space. Um, for new subscribers who may not have arrived via Instagram, we are on there. Um, if you, you can follow us there for sort of instant updates and links to shit and all that sort of stuff. So um, when we announce events, it'll typically be through. The letters, of course, but then uh, reminders and updates and stuff will will more commonly come through Instagram. Um, we do also have a few A3 300 GSM posters left from the event, which you can purchase directly from us. We sold them for a tenner on the night, £10, um, but you can get one for £12, which does include UK shipping. Um, or £20 all in for shipping everywhere else in the world. If you're in the US, it'd be, it'd be £20. Um, so you can hit the link, have a look purchase one for yourself before they're gone it's also on Instagram as well Um, but this week we're talking about characters personas, aliases, pen names the avatars of artists who wish to remain anonymous or conversely wanting to be much larger than life to build a mythology of self self? self saying myth and using the th sound and then saying self which is the opposite th sound Um, really fucked me up there actually but we're just going to roll with it Um, and we're talking about Jeremiah Terminator Leroy if you haven't heard of Leroy JT Leroy to be precise then buckle up in the year 2000 Jeremiah Terminator Leroy published a book called Sarah the book followed a young person and their mother a quote lot lizard which was another word for a sex worker who works along the truck stops in West Virginia. The book is fairly brutal, with graphic descriptions of abuse and exploitation. It was also claimed to have been inspired heavily by the lived experience of its elusive author. A national bestseller and the talk of the town at the turn of the century, Leroy seemed to fit into a grungy subcultural wave in the vein of Harmony Corrine, Nirvana, Gregoraki and co. Rubbing elbows with all of the contemporary stars of the late 90s, early noughties, Leroy was revered by artists such as Courtney Love, Gus Van Sant, John Waters, Winona Ryder, you name them. All was well. Leroy became known for his elusiveness, often answering interview questions by whispering in the ears of people next to him who could relay his answer. His past seemed inherently connected to the plot of Sarah and rumours flew around of Leroy being HIV positive, transgender, the protagonist of Sarah itself, but no one knew the full truth. One of Leroy's closest confidants was Asia Argento, Nepo Baby Supreme of uh, Giallo King, Dario Argento Stock. Asia Argento would go on to ad- adapt Leroy's second book, The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things, in 2004 with Hollywood heavyweights such as both Sprouse twins, Jeremy Renner and Marilyn Manson. A truly debauched blunt rotation. The book and film were also reportedly dog shit. But why am I telling you all this? Well, it's important to establish that Leroy was by no means an industry outsider. With film deals being rolled out, a steady entourage of adoring celebrity fans, and a best-selling debut book, Leroy was hot shit, a known entity. He also wasn't a real person. Leroy was, in fact, at one time, nobody at all, and then three people at once. In the first instance, a pen name for author Laura Albert, Leroy was a male persona or avatar, to use Albert's own words. JT was, quote, asbestos gloves to handle material I otherwise could not have touched. You know, just simple stuff like being gender fluid or a child sex worker or a victim of abuse, for example. But the JT we see in pictures is not Laura Albert, but Savannah Noop, Albert's relative in law through her husband, Jeffrey Noop. So by the time Leroy and Argento were dating, Leroy had become a performance of a character created by Albert, brought to life by Noop. The picture becomes even more complicated as the Noop Leroy, hereby known as Le Noop, hired Laura Albert as his agent, a woman called Speedy, who came preloaded with a terrible English accent. So now, writer and agent travel everywhere together, a way of keeping the persona cohesive. Ironically, many of those who spent time around the duo found Speedy quite annoying. The the pair were reportedly a pain in the ass during the shoot of Argento's adaptation, demanding imports of foreign fruit and luxury handbags. Somehow, LaNoop managed to sustain the persona for about four years, before it all came crashing down in 2005, shortly before Argento's film came out. When New York Magazine ran an article exposing LaNoop, Subsequent articles, interviews and scrutiny followed. Argento reeled away, feeling betrayed by the deception, though there are conflicting reports on whether Argento always knew or whether it came as some surprise. The budding filmmaker and actor has since been accused and counter-accused of sexual assault and generally being shit, just as an aside. Laura Albert was sued for securing a contract for a film adaptation under false pretenses. Albert and Noop effectively parted ways, communicating infrequently ever since. And finally, of course, the authenticity of Sarah was brought into question. Did we know anything about Laura Albert at all? The truth, as subsequently told by Albert, is a mixed bag, a pick and mix of contradictions that I literally cannot pack into this email. Something seemed to ring true. Albert had a complicated relationship with gender growing up and an abusive relationship with her mother, which informed the novel Sarah. As a young adult, Albert would ring up child protection phone lines pretending to be a boy, making up stories that made her sympathetic to the people on the other line. It was a therapist that Albert used in the 1990s who encouraged her to write some of these experiences down, hence inspiring Sarah. Albert would also work on phone sex lines during the 90s, further honing her ability to occupy multiple personas, something that had helped her survive a tumultuous upbringing. To the public, Leroy was the troubled, mysterious figure behind Sarah, a talented writer who had overcome much and forged a unique voice in the process. To Albert and those in the know, it was a performance that spiralled out of control, a distortion of a distortion of the truth, a person based on a book based on a person. The layers of fiction start to melt into each other, as documentaries and biopics have been released since, such as Author, the JT Leroy story from 2016 and JT Leroy from 2018, alongside the 2008 book Girl Boy Girl, How I Became J.T. Leroy from Savannah Noob themselves. Each version of the story seems to grip onto different angles of the story, different contemporary accounts which have been warped by age or revision. I leave any further research to you, but leave you with some questions. The discourse around authors writing about subject matter they aren't personally close to is perennial. Hanya Yanagihara most recently faces accusations of writing trauma porn at the expense of a community they are not part of. Green Book from 2018, a film directed by a white man, wins best film at the Oscars as a white saviour narrative where the main black character has one purpose, to redeem the white protagonist. Both creators would argue that if the writing is good enough and authentic enough, why not tell that story? I'm wading into different threads of argument here about depictions of sexuality and race, but the underlying theme is artists appropriating the struggle of historically vulnerable communities to tell a story that is palatable to white audiences. Do Albert or Noop fit this description? Was Albert a fraud or a minor talent caught in a high-profile identity crisis? It's hard to discern what pieces of Albert ring true, but it seems likely that the author went through an upbringing not entirely dissimilar to the one presented to the world through the Leroy persona and in Sarah. What perhaps invalidated whatever truths Albert managed to lay bare after so many years of pain was her tragic inability to own them. Next up, we're going to talk about Starchild, Sir Nose, and Dr. Funkenstein. As the principal member of the P-Funk Collective, musician, singer, producer George Clinton is in the business of creating a unique and storied mythology to the music he helps make, which lends itself to unique characters, personas that pop up across various projects from Mothership Connection in 1975 with Parliament and the Extraterrestrial Brothers to Mr. Wiggles, I'm Mr. Wiggles the Worm, These Are My Ladies, Giggle and Squirm, from Motor Booty Affair in 1978 and far further afield. The two groups constantly invented characters and stories that fit within their version of P-Funk. My explanation of the law here borrows initially uh, from a radio show from Howard Bruchette, or Brochette, I'm not sure, which goes into Clinton's mythology. If you don't have time to listen and want the basics, that's why I'm here, baby. So, first up, Starchild, a character who was born from the Mothership Connection album in 1975, is an alien who pilots the Mothership, his mission being to bring the P-Funk to all of humankind. As such, he is a sort of prophet for the spirit of P-Funk, a term which stood to represent Parliament and Funkadelic, and the artistic output of both groups. As the song begins, Starchild exclaims, Well, alright, Starchild, citizens of the universe, recording angels we have returned to claim the pyramids. As a form of Afrofuturism that makes connections between science fiction and history to explain and mythologize African ancestry, Starchild is both the essence of the past and the future, a bridge between worlds united by, you guessed it, funk. Starchild also provides an interesting contrast to David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust, an alien character introduced to the world three years prior on the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, who also acts as a messiah who can redeem mankind but ultimately falls to the pressures of celebrity. Starchild is also cool as fuck and makes use of face paint in bright colours just as Ziggy did below. By comparison, Sir No's devoid of funk is an absolute travesty. We all hate him, boo, hiss. Inspired by the Pinocchio Theory from 1976 from Bootsy's Rubber Bands, a band that also featured Parliament member Bootsy Collins, the song is about a man whose nose gets longer and longer the more he fakes funk. Whereas Starchild is a true child of the P-Funk, Sir Nose is an imposter who wouldn't know funk if it punched him on the uh, nose. He does look cool as fuck though, so... Sir Nose is often found on stage during P-Funk gigs, dancing around in an outfit such as this sir nose written across the length of his snoz, along with the nose crystal belt it's a look almost out of a venetian theater next up is dr funkenstein a character inspired by clinton's own fascination with the sci-fi concept of cloning coming out less than a year after mothership connection the 1976 album the clones of dr funkenstein had a different look and sound leaning more into a less celestial disco funk accompanied by a good amount of horns The outfits on the album cover are perhaps coincidentally reminiscent of the then-upcoming band KISS, who achieved their first Top 40 single in 1975. Dr. Funkenstein is no villain, however. His mission is to create clones of his perfect self in order to preserve funk, dedicated to the, quote, preservation of the motion of hips. Funkenstein helps produce the clones, these children of production who are the future, a, quote, time bomb that will wake society up from its malaise, a little Jimmy Carter reference for you. Leaning gently into contemporary discourse on drugs or the war on such, a little Nixon reference for you, Funkenstein states that the bigger the headache, the bigger the pill, they call me the big pill. The remedy to society's sickness is, of course, P-Funk. Just like Starchild, our doctor broadcasts directly from the mothership, providing a connection to the first album and its political theming. The rich colours and design of these characters were complemented brilliantly by artist Pedro Bell, who designed the vinyl inserts and album covers for Parliament, Funkadelic and George Clinton, and was grossly underpaid for such amazing work. Bell had a formative role in establishing the characters of P-Funk as intergalactic heroes, often painting the covers before he had heard any of the music, working only with the title. While I've run out of space to discuss Bell here, tune into the podcast episode to hear more about the artist's career. The list of characters goes on, with characters such as Mr Wiggles, Uncle Jam, the Funketeers, who didn't make the cut in this letter. In each of these characters though, George Clinton and Pedro Bell provided a colourful gateway into the politics of the P-Funk projects and built a rich story that helped cultivate a global fan base who enjoyed such an optimistic, joyous vision of the future. Well that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed this one. I actually had a lot of fun writing it and uh, there's so much more to both of the stories discussed here so maybe fall down the rabbit hole yourself and let me know where you end up. I'll be back soon with some more sauce. Until then, be good. Love. Polly.